Good evening, church. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 tonight. Matthew chapter 25, that's page 880, 880, if you'd like to use one of those black pew Bibles in front of you. As you're turning there, this might be a a familiar text, a familiar parable that we're going to look at. It's the parable of the talents, the parable of the talents. And our goal tonight, we're not going to exegete the whole text, we're not going to look at every nuance, but our goal is to draw out one simple principle, a very important principle. Principle is this principle of Christian risk. Christian risk. Deliberately making choices that open yourself up, that expose yourself for some sort of loss, to some sort of loss, all for the sake of the gospel. You might say, so Kevin goes on vacation and the former degenerate poker player gambler is telling us to gamble with our lives? What is going on here in this Baptist church of all places? Well, yeah. Yeah, and I hope you're with me by the end of this. God saved me. If you don't know my testimony, super, super briefly. God saved me about 12 years ago, about 3.30 in the morning after driving back from playing poker all night at a casino. He saved me from a life chasing my idol, my dream of playing poker professionally. By God's grace, God has been so kind and merciful to me, I've... Put that dream behind me. But that doesn't mean that poker taught me nothing. God doesn't waste anything, right? He doesn't even waste those seasons of sin in our lives. So here's something that's true in poker. And the principle applied to life, I think, has massive spiritual implications. Here's what's true in poker. Winning players take aggressive risks. The best players... Those whose return on investment, their ROI, is the highest in the long run. They're always the ones who take calculated risks. They, they actually often have a reputation of, as being a little bit crazy, maybe even a little bit irresponsible by, by non-poker players who don't understand the game, don't understand what they're doing. So now we're going to read the text, and as we read this parable of the talents, it starts in verse 14. Think about that principle Think of that principle applied to life. Because it's here. So we'll start in verse 14 and we'll read down to verse 30. For it is just like a man, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God is like. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Scared money don't make no money. can't believe I just said that in a sermon. (laughs) Scared money don't make no money. That's what a guy I used to play cards with used to say all the time. He was a good player. This, This is what he was trying to communicate. If you're scared to go all in, to shove all your chips, all your money into the pot, and instead you always protect them, You won't bet anything. You won't put your chips in unless you have an unbeatable hand. You'll never be a winning player. The best play in No Limit Hold'em, the game I used to play, is to often get get your money into the pot as like a 65% favorite. That's the best play you can make. That's a winning play. Well, what happens 35% of the time then? You lose. You might lose today. You might lose tomorrow. You might lose the next time you do that. But if you keep doing that, in the long run, you win. You play the long game. Here's the main idea I want us to see tonight. This is it. By definition, as a Christian, you're playing the ultimate long game. You you just are. You just are. You're banking Everything, everything on the promise that since God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will also raise you from the dead. Your whole life is invested in that happening one day, one day, then, not now, but then. And if you really believe that, if you really believe that, you trust, unlike this servant, you trust that your master is good, and will deliver on that promise, you trust that he has proven himself in the cross of Jesus Christ, in history, well then which servant will you be? Will you go out and put your talent to work, whatever it is the Lord has given to you, according to your ability, will you take a risk with your life, or will you bury your talent in the ground? Will you get in the game and spend your life for the supremacy, not of yourself, but of the Lord Jesus Christ? Something that could be very costly, maybe even cost you your life. Or or will you just sit around on the sidelines and play it safe? The servants who got the five talents and the two talents certainly didn't play it safe, did they? 
They took what their master entrusted to them, and they risked it. Now, we don't know what kind of trading exactly or what kind of business they were involved in or what what level of risk even it was. But the point is, they took a chance with their money, and they put it to work as an investment for their master. Think about it. They could have been robbed on the way to the city. They could have gotten ripped off by some cunning salesman. They, they could have gotten involved in some type of weird first century Palestinian Ponzi scheme. Maybe those existed back then. It was certainly, it was, it was more than possible that when the master returned, the guy with five, now he's got three. The guy with two, he's got maybe one. Maybe he's got a half of a talent. Or they both just could have been dead broke. Or dead. But they banked their whole lives on the fact that their master would reward their efforts. Win or lose, they were going to go out there and give it their best shot. They put their talent to work. Not so with the guy who got one. He quit before the game even started. Why? Why did he do that? Look at verse 24 again. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Why? What was the problem? He did not trust the character of his master because he misappropriated, he, he didn't understand the master's personality. He got him wrong. The master was not harsh because he didn't know his master. He was afraid and his fear paralyzed him. Brother, sister, do you see, do you see the point here? If you believe that God is faithful, that he is good, that he is just, that he is gracious and merciful, that he has saved you and he has promised you that one day, one day in in the long game, you will be raised from the dead and live with him forever with all the saints in perfect peace. If that's your future, then it's just common sense. It's just logical to take aggressive risks with your life. Not stupid risks, not worldly risks, not selfish risks. Risks that only make sense if the Bible is true. Risks like sharing the gospel with people you don't know, like our brothers have been doing on on campus at Brown. What are you guys risking when you do that? You're risking looking like a fool, but you're risking it. And other people are doing that as well here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many stories of evangelism have we heard in the last few months? Or or risking the gospel with people you do know. Sometimes that's even harder. Family, friends, loved ones, co-workers. What are you risking there? You're, you're, You're risking your reputation. Risks like confronting your friends in sin and calling that Brother or sister to repentance. That's hard. That's a risk. You're risking your relationship with that person. 
Risks like quitting a job that you can't honor the Lord at anymore. You know, I cannot glorify God in this job. The Lord has said, I must glorify him with my life. Whatever's from, not from faith is sin. I can't do this. So risk, you're risking your financial security by saying, I can't be here anymore. Don't know how the Lord's going to provide, but I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. Risks like waking up an hour and a half, two hours earlier, every morning to read, meditate, pray, and spend time with the Lord. You're, you're risking your sleep. You're risking your health. You're risking a lot. Is it worth it? Or risks like moving your whole family across the world, learning a new language, and living with an unreached people group with no access to the gospel. Risking everything. Maybe most of us aren't called to do that last one. Somebody here right now, maybe. You may be. Have you ruled that out? Have you ruled cross-cultural missions just out? Never thought about it. If you have, if you've ruled it out, why? Why not you? If you're sitting here and you're a Christian tonight, at some point down the line, somebody did that. And you heard the gospel one day. I understand not everyone's called to do that. But the point is this. Not everyone must risk everything. But everyone must risk something. Not everyone must risk everything. But everyone, everyone must risk something. We'll end with asking ourselves this question. And and it's a question... I think we should be asking ourselves in community regularly, together as a church, in your discipling relationships, in your friendships. This should just be something you check in with one another on. Because often, it's so true, don't we need someone else to point out our blind spots? We don't often see where we're erring. We don't often see where we're just coasting, maybe. Here's the question. What in your life makes no sense apart from your belief in the resurrection. If Jesus isn't coming back, you could say it this way, if Jesus isn't coming back, in what ways are you a fool? I think that's a good question for us to ask each other. Life is short. The gospel's true. Your long game, if you're in Christ, is in heaven. Your future's secure. So be aggressively risky with your life for your master's sake. Let's pray. Father, apart from your grace, we won't do this. So Lord, we ask for your help. As Kyle prayed tonight, as we prayed tonight together, Lord, we we pray that even the big things like risking everything and going to another nation, Lord, maybe there's somebody here that should do that that should start thinking about that, Lord. We pray for that. We pray that we'll, we as a church will support them in that. But Lord, in the, in the day-to-day of those of us who are not called to do that, Lord, we're called, you call us to take risks for the gospel's sake. Lord, we pray that you'll give us courage to do that. Lord, we pray that we'll be faithful. Lord, we pray that we'll honor you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.